0: Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful John Scott. John, are you ready to do this?
1: I'm ready, George.
0: Excellent. Let's Let's do this. John is a director of the Retirement Savings Project at the Pew Charitable Trusts. I'm excited to have you on. John, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, George. Um, I, you know, I live in uh, suburban Maryland. Uh, I work at the Pew charitable trust, which is based in Washington, DC. And I should say that Pew is a nonprofit organization that engages in uh, nonpartisan research to hopefully improve public policy. And, uh, I sort of had a a zigzag of a career. Um, I started off as a, uh, tax and benefits attorney, and I worked in the retirement industry for benefits consulting firms or banks. And then um, I had an opportunity to work for a trade association in D.C., working on benefits policy. And then I sort of had uh, what my wife calls my midlife crisis. I decided to go back (laughs) to grad school and uh, uh, and really just sort of buff up my my quantitative skills a little bit. And so then I started getting into research and and did a little bit of teaching um, and academic research on the side. And uh, you know my wife said it would have been cheaper if I just bought a sports car, but you know, there you go. <laughs> um, but I preferred to view it as an investment in myself. And sort of you know eventually I got this job opportunity at Pew. Which really, you know, looking back over my career, was an opportunity to combine those three threads of, you know, the background in, you know, benefits tax law and uh, industry experience, as well as the policy experience, and then and then the research. and And that's what we do at Pew is really try to approach issues from a, a research perspective and evidence based perspective, you know, see what the nature of the problem is, and see if there are some solutions out there to solve them.
0: Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that, and really understanding having that these days it seems like it's it's important to say this 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 nonpartisan effort to actually bring forth real information so we know as best we can what's really going on. It's got to be so valuable as you start to try to figure out how to help people save more money. Um, so, so I, 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 I appreciate that very much. Mm -hmm. What is, what, what are some of the, I I think that, that, that people probably are aware that Americans are not saving enough money for retirement. When, when, when you think about this huge issue, what are some of the things that, that, that you and your team are really focusing on?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And, um and, and the nice thing about working in this area is that you know saving for retirement is not a partisan issue. Um so that makes you know a part of my life easier. Right. And I think also that people sort of understand what are some of the common barriers to saving for retirement. And in our research and the research of others hopes to document that, namely that you know, we we tend to focus this as sort of two sides of the same coin. So on the one side you have workers who You know, in some cases, they don't have access to a retirement plan at their jobs. And we know that uh, the employer based system is is the the main way in which people save for retirement. Only about uh, 13% of Americans save for retirement outside of a workplace retirement plan. So, Mm -hmm. really, And that makes sense because when you have payroll deduction in place um, you have an hr department that you know provides all the infrastructure it makes it easier to save through a workplace job so if you don't have access to that i think that's one barrier some americans even when they they do have access to a plan at their job uh, they don't sign up for it remarkably even when there's a matching contribution from the employer but some don't and for a variety of reasons they might have competing savings goals, like saving for a kid's education or, you know, saving up for a down payment on a house. And then others might say, look, I'm a little stressed financially. And this this probably a pertinent answer given the current economic situation. But, um, you know, I, I just I need every dollar I can just for my everyday expenses. So there's a variety of, of barriers there on the worker side. And then on the employer side, of course, since we need employers to offer retirement plans, and especially among small businesses, uh, it's really understanding why those business owners don't offer plans. And so we've tried to document that as well, that um, small employers, uh, small business owners, uh, they're put off by the cost of starting a retirement plan. You know, these these are folks that you know they they are trying to get their operations up and running. They're entrepreneurial and they don't really have a thousand or two thousand uh, dollars lying around to for the for the cost of uh, setting up a plan. And at the same time, they also don't have the bandwidth uh, to run a 401k plan. Uh, they they're wearing multiple hats already. Um, and so it's it's understanding those sort of barriers on both sides that's really keeping um, uh, you know retirement savings from where it should be in this country.
0: And, and and I think that makes all sense in the world. Um, there is certainly complexity, and it's confusing. It's expensive. There's a million reasons, but those are those are those seem to to, to, to to make sense. That those are the primary. So, having a good understanding that those are some of the challenges. How how are you viewing the solutions to those challenges? What what's what's what are you kicking around?
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting and and different solutions that are out there and they range from financial literacy you know trying to get people to understand the, the need for saving for retirement taking a longer term view of their personal situation things like that to changes in tax policy you know some people will say maybe we maybe we need more tax incentives um, for savings um, or tax incentives for small businesses to offer retirement plans. I and mean, we've seen a little bit of movement in the past year or so in terms of legislation on that and interest level. And then there's a lot of interesting developments that are uh, that are just popping up around the country. Now, retirement policy is, is usually a federal level uh, retirement policy issue. It's, it's governed by federal law. But because of sort of the gridlock in Congress, we really haven't seen that much movement on policy initiatives at the federal level. And what's happened is that a lot of state officials are starting to become interested in this issue, state treasurers, for example, or legislators that have an interest in these kinds of topics, you know, a, a financial advisor who's become a state legislator, for example, you know, will, you know, sort of get the issue and then say, hey, how can we do something about this? So, We're seeing a number of states, and I think the current number is 12, that have passed legislation to try and encourage retirement savings for private sector workers. And at that level of policy, we're seeing three basic approaches. Um, We have some states that are interested in basically offering an online marketplace where financial service providers can offer retirement plan products to small business owners. Um, We're seeing some interest in a second approach, of multiple employer plans, basically group plans, uh, where you have a single plan that multiple employers can adopt. Um, Those exist in the private sector, but states are thinking of offering those um, to employers within their state. And then I think the the biggest one that potentially could have the the largest impact on savings are what are called auto IRAs. And I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with that term, so if I can just explain that a little bit. It's uh, basically a combination of two ideas from the private sector. Um, One is um, IRAs, Individual Retirement Accounts, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. Um, There is a thing called payroll deduction IRAs, where if you were at a job and you had your own IRA, you could ask your employer to take part of your paycheck and put it into the IRA. Um, So what the states are doing is taking that concept, and they're also taking the concept of automatic enrollment, which we're seeing in large corporate plans, where if you go to work, and we actually have this at the Pew Charitable Trust where I work, if you get hired by Pew, you're automatically enrolled in Pew's 401k plan. You have the opportunity to opt out or change your contribution level, but if you don't do anything, you just start saving from day one. And so the states are combining these two ideas where if you don't have a retirement plan at your job, um, you'll be automatically enrolled in the state savings program. Uh, it'll be a default contribution rate, like 5%, and there'll be a default investment fund, like a target date fund. And, and you can opt out. You can change your contribution level or your investment choice. But again, if you don't do anything, you'll start saving for retirement in the state-sponsored uh, retirement fund. It's You own the IRA that's been set up for you, so it's not a, a state fund. Uh, at all. But a lot of state officials are just starting to understand that, hey, we need to start getting people to save for retirement. This is actually a state issue now, that you know states are on the hook for Medicaid, which provides a lot of long-term care supports, and there's other social services for the elderly, and they're starting to get the idea, like, if we can get people saving now, we won't have such a big budget impact down the road when people hit retirement, and they don't really have that much in saving. So, you know, that's where we're sort of focused on. We're doing a lot of research around these state auto IRA programs to understand um, how they work. And I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that research.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to dig into that. You you, you really hit on something that, that, that I was curious about. It's a matter of who's wh- – wh- what happens if we do nothing? And for lack of a, a more elegant term, who's holding the bag? And so from a state's mm-hmm. perspective, they say, oh, my gosh, if these people aren't saving – and we're not helping we're going to be on the hook and, and and you mentioned medicaid do you have a sense of 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 what costs could be if everybody in Arizona doesn't save any money for retirement
1: that that's a good question i don't know Arizona in particular just just you know, just any state yeah so no but i was going to say it's it's interesting because what a lot of people don't understand is states are on the hook for something like Medicaid, we think of that as a federal program, but states actually pay into that quite a bit. And then there are a host of state programs, and this varies from state to state, but there have been some studies done. Um, There's one study in Pennsylvania that estimated over a 15-year period, so this is in total over 15 years, um, the state would be on the hook to the tune of just over $14 billion due to insufficient retirement savings. So- Um, and I think in Colorado, it's around, a similar time period it is around $9 billion. And we're sponsoring a study in Virginia, and it's shaping up to be in the same ballpark around 10 or $11 billion. So, you know, this is over a, a 15-year period. So, you know, you're talking about somewhere between $500 million and a billion dollars a year in increased social services, lost tax revenue, um, those kinds of costs that, and that gets the attention of state policymakers. Um, so it's not just a federal impact, and and ultimately at the end of the day, it comes down to people like you and me. Uh, it's taxpayers that are going to be footing this bill, mm-hmm. and and we have some research that that's coming out that disaggregates this number. Um, down to the tax, the household level. What's what's going to be the cost to taxpayers of that $14 billion in Pennsylvania? What's that number going to be? And it, it's you know, it varies, but it's going to be a, a few thousand dollars. Now, the good news is, because I, I want to say that there is some good news. <laughs> it it doesn't really take a lot to um, erase that that savings gap that leads to these big fiscal impacts. Um, and of course, you know, we should also mention that there's an impact on the the elderly who don't have enough. You know, these people who won't be able to maintain their standard of living and, and may have to move out of their homes and so on and so forth. But um, to at least reduce those impacts on the state, on the elderly, on taxpayers, you know, the, the numbers that we're seeing is that if households, households could save $100 a month um, that would have a huge impact in reducing these um, savings gaps. And that's not, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of money. You know, So this is not an insurmountable problem. This is actually a pretty fixable problem when you when you get right down to it. So that's, I think, the good news out of this story. I don't want to be the, the doctor of doom and all this. So there's, there's, <laughs> there are things we can do. Uh, and I, I mentioned these state auto IRA programs. Um, there are three up and running. Um, California, Illinois, and Oregon, and they're still pretty new, and and we're still learning a lot about them, but the early numbers that we're seeing from those states that are in operation, um, people are saving, on average, around $90 to $100 a month. So, you know, I think if if these state programs can work for employers and if they can work for the workers, um, they could have a big impact down the road for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's nothing but a positive thing. One hundred percent is to get people just in the habit of saving because that's I, I, you know, I just from a, a amateur psychologist standpoint, you know, going from zero to something once, once you actually accomplish that and you start doing something, I imagine good things are going to follow and probably more, more saving in the future.
1: Absolutely. No, I, I,
0: Totally agree with that. So, okay, nice. So the potential tax packs, the potential tax or cost to the federal government is probably enormous, but then each state is realizing, okay, we really need to be doing something, and we are probably in a position to start actually enacting change. How is it way too Goldilocks to think that, that every state could come up with something that's very similar. So if I moved from, let's say California, which has the auto IRA program to Texas that has a similar program, or how, how do you even go about trying to coordinate that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question too. I mean, I I think on the one hand, if you're in California in this program, you have your own IRA. Um, and it's just like any other IRA. It's just, you know, you're funding it through your work in California. You know, in theory, you should be able to keep contributing to it if you're in Texas um, or any other state, even if they don't have a similar program in some other state, you should be able to keep contributing to it. It's just like a regular IRA. Um, so long as you, you know, uh, meet all the requirements and rules and uh, that follow every other IRA. Um, I think what the the real interesting issue is trying to um, get coordination about payroll across Mm -hmm. states so if you work for a company in california but they also have an office in dallas um, you get transferred to that dallas office um, can that employer keep contributing through payroll to that ira that you originally set up in in your california workplace Um, that's i think an open question we do have a very mobile society. People are moving, people change jobs. and portability in general of, of you know your savings and your benefits is, is a bigger issue. It's not just the state auto IRA. Uh, it's true in the corporate retirement plan world as well that changing jobs can you sort of, can you move your savings with you as you change jobs? So I think there's you know the states that are interested in this issue, You know, they're just trying to get up and running. But I think there is some talk about trying to coordinate across states. Um, I think some of the smaller states in terms of population, um, states like Mexico or Colorado or Utah or Idaho, um, you know, Rhode Island in the Northeast. There's been some discussion about maybe there could be a regional compact of states where people could set up one account. It doesn't matter where they live um it'll follow them in including the payroll contributions even if they change jobs across those states it'll all be one sort of account and it'll just be seamless to the employee and i think there's some advantages for the smaller states in terms of you know it's it's uh smaller populations it's but if you can band together you you start to achieve scale and you can reduce the cost of these kinds of programs so i think that's probably where we're headed next is trying to develop some regional approaches instead of just a state-by-state approach um, to sort of drive down those costs and make it easier on both employers and employees uh, who maybe are moving across state lines. There are a lot of employers that have multiple offices, of course. It's not just uh, one small business in one state. So I think that's probably where things are going to go to see if if, if we can sort of develop coordination. And we already have this in what are called ABLE accounts. These are savings programs for um, uh, disabled people. Uh, there are regional compacts for those. I think there's some, I'm not as familiar with the 529 college savings plans, but I think there is some interstate cooperation on those as well. So there's a framework there in place for dealing with the mobility of the American workforce. It's really sort of working through the issues and, and uh, um, you know making the necessary adjustments
0: certainly makes sense, and that, that would be a good thing with people moving around and recognizing that we can work remotely and, and all that good stuff. So more to come, John. We're going to have to have you back on. So I love it. Well, John Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: Well, you know, we do a lot of research on, on savings and, and, and I'm sure your audience, I'm sure is great and they're sophisticated. They're all saving for retirement. And I'm so, so I'm sure I don't have to say if you're not, if you're not saving save for retirement, mm-hmm. but, uh, so I'll go to the thing that really turns up in our research again and again, it's, it's not a, a big thing, but when you look at across all the things that we do, it's that people are not engaged in their personal finances in many cases. Um, We see people that are automatically enrolled in retirement plans and they don't know it. Uh, People don't read the fine print about investments. Um, And so what I would say is take some time to take a look at your paycheck or take a look at uh, the information about the mutual fund where you're putting your retirement savings. And just think about, hey, if I'm saving 3%, could I do 4%? Um, I just saw in the news today, 70 employers uh, have cut matches to their 401k. So could I save more to make up that that loss of a match? Um, could I be, be in a lower cost mutual fund? So I think be a little more engaged. We, we try and stress automatic enrollment and saving on a regular basis. But I would say, you know, try once in a while and be engaged and see if you can make some small improvements that might seem small now, but add up over a 20- or 30-year career.
0: I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets a Come on. Come on. Yes, amen. Can you bump that up from three to four? Just make those small little adjustments. I love it. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you?
1: Well, you can go to the website for the Pew Charitable Trusts. And that website is Pew P E W T R U S T S dot O R G. Or you can just Google us, Pew Charitable Trust Retirement Savings, and that'll take you right to our landing page. You can see all the great research that we do.
0: Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show John your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to PewTrusts.org. Check out all that great research. Thanks again, John. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money